I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, where the Tennessee Volunteers can't lose a game. They're just sweeping everybody. We get Tennessee, Georgia this weekend uh, in Athens, where the dogs, who are once again near the bottom of the SEC standings uh, in another college baseball season, while the Tennessee Volunteers... Aren't they like two spots behind Tennessee? No, like Tennessee's... Ninth place or something? Tennessee's 11 and 10, uh, have won nine straight, uh, mm-hmm. are on the verge of hosting potentially a regional... Uh, Tennessee might not make the SEC tournament here, or Georgia, excuse me, might not make the SEC tournament here with uh, how things are going. Um, it's uh, it's everything. School HQ is pretty pretty good right now. You see PFF like who's the next breakout quarterback in 2023, and Joe Milton's the the cover guy. You got Aaron Murray talking him up, and you have more Vols going in the top 100 uh, in the 2020. Three NFL draft than the dogs, and people do forget that. Uh, Tennessee also putting together a streak of the most amount of receivers. I think, what, in a five-year, uh, putting a receiver in the draft in the last five years, every year in the last five, something like that. Um, so that streak is going strong. You get multiple guys here with Tillman and Hyatt both going in the third, something that Georgia uh, is not that all familiar with the offensive side of the ball that is outside of the running back spot. Um, Tennessee is, George Pickens, I think, went second round last year. That was year. it. That's it. That's just that's all you're doing right there. 
Damn, How's that's Chris all Durham? We're doing. How's Chris Durham doing? Darn oh, Hey, him. hey, if you're really trying to talk about Georgia first, I mean, Georgia had a, was the only school for like that had like five, six years in a row a few years back. I mean, they're not putting in first round picks, but like mm. neither is Tennessee. Like, well, no, so, Tennessee Blitnikoff right there, and hey, he went in the third round. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Georgia, Georgia had AJ Green. They've had George Pickens in the second. You know, but like we're Malcolm just saying, trending up. Malcolm Mitchell was drafted. Like there's Darnell Wright, Riley, top ten. Riley Ridley, Miko Hardman was a second rounder. Like mm. there's been plenty of guys that got drafted. So I want you to I want you to you know lay off the, the disrespect this early in the podcast. You know we're just getting started here, man. Well, that guy you just heard who could take no more of the the Tennessee Volunteer <laughs> Love Fest to start things off down there in Tequila, That's Georgia. That's definitely true. Also, wanna wanna sorry, I I'm wanna never getting through this intro for you. Go, it's never happened. Sorry, finish your intro. Finish your intro. I'm Matt Green down here yeah. in Tequila, Georgia. Also, want to point out Tennessee is in fifth place in the SEC East, and Georgia's in sixth. I'm looking at the SEC baseball standings right now. No, They're like right there as a conference, and you also have to look at the standings. And where things are trending in Georgia, it's broken, down, it's broken down east and west. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I don't know. Yeah, that's no, just, it's as a whole. To, that's a whole. I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, that's it's just that's what it is. But yeah, mm-hmm. we're not we're not a base we're not a best baseball podcast. Uh, we could be. NFL draft NFL draft was a was a great uh, was great over the weekend. Did you enjoy mm. Did you enjoy the draft coverage, sir? I mean, I watched um, the first round from start to finish, but then I'm just usually on my phone from then on out. I just I wanted alerts for where Hendon Hooker was going to end up going. I knew Hyatt was going to go second or third. I knew Tillman was going to go second or third. And once whoa, started- whoa, whoa! You were like you were arguing with me here that Hyatt was a lock for the first round. Do we need to run the tape back? No, never happened. Oh yeah, we need to run that tape back for sure. No. It uh, he fell to the right spot. New York's gonna be a good spot for him in that Brian Dabble offense. He'll be he'll be good. Um, it, Gabriel Davis had a similar. Uh, I think he was a hypo guy at UCF um, and broke out uh, in Buffalo a couple years ago. So those kind of guys. And I'll save my Tennessee draft and the Tennessee conversation that folks uh, are going to have to get over because Heupel had a really, really good line about this um, when he was at the Big Orange Caravan this week in Chattanooga as Tennessee continues to lock down state of Georgia or state of Tennessee and keep Amari Jefferson home away from the dogs and make sure we close the deal with uh, Jaden Riddell and and or uh, Ryan Wingo and Mike Matthews. So uh, those are going to come down to the wire and knowing that the dogs and then the balls are the final two for Riddell, it looks like uh, five-star tight end, uh, along with two five-star wide receivers in in Wingo and Matthews. Uh, it's going to be this po- this podcast was already testy enough uh, with the Tennessee uh, Georgia rivalry here, but uh, now that Tennessee and Georgia are kind of going at it uh, for some of these premier skill players on offense, because Tennessee's not really there on defense, they're not really recruiting the same kind of guy. outside of like Sammy Brown. And company not a not a lot of crossover there um to this point maybe a little bit on the yeah, defensive Wingo, line i don't i don't want to uh get my hopes up on wingo to this point but there's been a lot of talk of ryan wingo playing with dylan rayola at the next level and i also saw a quote from from ryan wingo saying that he wasn't that worried about nil that 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 was short-term money the nfl is where it's really at that's what the real money is and I mean, you might as well, you might as well just heard Kirby Smart say that himself. Like, I feel like that is definitely a sales pitch I've heard coming out of Athens, Georgia. So for Ryan Wingo to be saying something like that, I think kind of says a lot where, where Georgia sits 
with that. I feel recruitment. like Dabo preaches, but that's that that's 2026 20, draft stuff yeah. we're talking recruiting here, sir. We need to uh, get back to this draft. I was definitely surprised to see both Tillman and Hyatt go to the third round. I th- I definitely thought that they would. I I thought Tillman was a first rounder personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely hooker ended up, uh, going to Detroit, which he's apparently two years younger than Jared Goff, which is just kind of, kind of hilarious. But, um, I don't know. That's an interesting one. Cause I feel like Jared Goff was really good last year. So drafting a quarterback was it, it ended up being third round for mm-hmm. hooker. Right. So yeah, drafting a quarterback third round, it's kind of like one foot in one foot out. Like doesn't necessarily need to be the future, but like, you know, it's a pretty good guy. We might need him. So I, th- I thought uh, Detroit's probably a solid spot for Hooker. There's no risk. I mean, it's just he's coming off the torn ACL. Jared Goff's penciled in. He doesn't have to be ready this year. It, there is going to be an acclimation uh, to the NFL game going from college to pro, obviously with Tennessee's offense and what Dan Campbell runs uh, under center primarily, and that is not something Hendon was doing the last two years um in knoxville so there will be some acclimation and he won't be rushed into it but i think he landed in a great spot because jared golf actually has a lot of and if you do a redraft from that year jared golf's a third or fourth round guy um he was not worthy of a number one overall Is pick he though? yeah i mean i'm saying if you do that all over again he wasn't who, based who on what the... we've seen through his career at this point he's not a he's not a number one overall pick kind of guy he's a he's a kirk cousins he's more I'd of a say, system see, guy a Derek carr see i don't know about that i think he's better than both of those guys I, and he's had really good years like in la obviously you could say he's a system but like in detroit he was really good last year mm-hmm. like so i mean the, the quarterback thing is always like i don't know who the quarterbacks were off the top of my head in that draft do you know just i mean that's it was thing. carson like, went right behind him so I mean, that's the thing is like if a team needs a quarterback, like he may have been the best quarterback that came out in that draft. Like off the top of my head, he's definitely better than Carson Wentz. So I mean, Carson you know, Wentz was an MVP candidate, and before for things one went season, awry, though Jared Goff's probably got like three or four good seasons under his belt at this point. Like, well, I guess the he, difference is like Carson at one point in time, you could argue was the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, Jared Goff has never for did. like four weeks. No, or it was something. a full season. Like, no, before yeah, he went down no, and won the Super Bowl, he was an MVP tight. Like he was destroying the league. Carson Wentz was quite good before. But he I'm went down. saying it was like 12 weeks that he was like an elite player for. Right, so, but I'm saying he was still that, and we never saw like, an elite it, player it from Jared. It probably took like a couple months of him playing well to be like, is, is Carson Wentz one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? So like how long did that really last? That's all I'm saying. Like he was fine, but it's like he's gotten healthy, and he's just seen it being mediocre time after time with team after team. So it's like... Well, I'm not disagreeing with what happened after. What I'm saying is just the, uh, like, the best version of Carson was the best quarterback in the NFL for a brief amount of time. The best yeah, version I mean, of Jared fair. Goff is like the ninth, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. Like, there's but no... if you're consistently that, then I think that I think there's something to be said for that. But and that's I mean... what Hinden Hooker could be, is in that... I, I've said he... I don't think he has Dak upside. Like Dak, you could say, is the best quarterback in the NFC right now. So I don't think he is that kind of upside, but I do think Hendon could be a uh, Kirk Cousins type guy. Kirk Cousins went in the fourth round where it's like he's super efficient. Like Kirk Cousins doesn't make the bad play. He's super smart. He has high completion percentage all the time. He frustrates fans because he's a check down guy. He's very conservative with the ball, doesn't turn it over, but he's just strong. And every coach is like, I love Hendon Hooker. Like this guy never kills us. He never does the dumb stuff. Like I just, I think he'll be in the league a really long time. I I will say though, out of this class, I mean, Darnell is probably going to be the best player um, at the right tackle spot and will probably be a perennial pro bowler uh, in Chicago. Best player from Tennessee. Yeah. 
But it wouldn't surprise me either if it was Cedric Tillman. Tillman's dad played in the NFL. Tillman, like you said, first round, kind of upside, big bodied, more of that longevity type receiver in the NFL where he's just so big and so long that I just feel like he'll have a long, fruitful career. And in Cleveland, it's a good spot for him. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think Hendon just, at worst, he's like Jacoby Brissett in the league where he's just bouncing around. Number two, maybe a Tyrod Taylor type or... Um, I don't know. Maybe no, he's better than Blaine Gabbert, but I'm trying to think. Maybe I, I'm trying to think. What... I mean, Blaine Gabbert's a guy that stayed on a roster for a while. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance. He'll be on a roster that... for a really long time. I think he will be in this league for a very long time, no matter what. I mean, he's already turning 26, right? He can't He can't, he can't be in the league that much longer. I don't but, know. I um... think he's uh, He's just, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I think Detroit was a really good landing spot for him. Him not going in the first round, I think, will ultimately help him not having those expectations of going a little too high for uh, where he probably should go. But it was a testament to what he did uh, in the pre-draft process. Like, Hendon Hooker got a lot of that hype because he impressed a lot of teams, not with uh, what he was doing on the field because he couldn't do anything with this torn ACL. It was, it was the other stuff. It was the the antithesis to what Stetson Bennett was uh, doing this offseason. Uh, Stetson <laughs> was sabotaging. And, yeah, where did Stetson go? The fourth round, like yeah. 20 picks after hooker like it was more than right that the, i think right he went in the, the fourth round but obviously i think stetson ended up in la i think yeah. that's a great landing spot like sean mcveigh like you're you're right now debating if jared goff is even good he had like two or three really good seasons with uh with sean mcveigh so if, if you get in that system you know sit behind a guy like stafford for maybe a couple years and obviously stafford's a guy that's been banged up like all throughout his career so you know the backup for Stafford might uh, might need to be ready to play next year. So I think uh, Stetson, uh, hey, he's been doubted so many times that it's like the the likelihood of of being a, a good starting quarterback not being picked in the first round is honestly just not very high. So you know the odds are against both of them, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens. I think uh, right now. Shoot, I just lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you a hypothetical question, and I totally forgot where I was going with it, but. If you look at Georgia uh, in the first round, uh, you had obviously had Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith go in the first round. I was a little surprised about uh, some of the Georgia players that slipped. Like, obviously, hmm. Darnell Washington, they talked about maybe a medical issue and and Keely Ringo with a medical issue or, or a character issue. You know, I don't even know, really. It feels like fake news to me. I feel like Keely Ringo was a combine freak and he was a good player for two years on, on one of the best defenses in college football. So Cedric for Tillman that guy, did he? Yeah, if you go back and watch the tape, he was getting burned. He got burned, and he took some pass interference in both games, actually. Yeah, I know he ran was... that route for him on that pick in the end zone. He did zone. do he that. Was, he was all over him. I'm just, I mean, what did Tillman do last year? Did he have, like, two or three catches? Like It wasn't just Tillman. He had but a, there was, Tillman there was a... had a big year, uh, a big game in 2021 against Georgia, but... I um I don't I know Matt Ringo fired up here. That Ringo's just fun. one. I feel like people were are like right for the wrong reasons. I kind of feel mm. like like there was criticism about Ringo. Like I feel like he was overrated going into 2022 because of the the big interception in the national championship and he was a five star and all that and and like kind of the raw athlete he is and you saw that in the combine and then this guy's like. 6'2", 200 plus pounds, and he ran like a 4'3", or something. That guy, I'm not sure how that guy slips in the draft. And so I feel like he was overrated going into 2022, 
But then, like, his struggles are just very exaggerated. Like, this this narrative that he got, like, destroyed by Marvin Harrison Jr. in the, in the Peach Bowl is just, like, completely false. Like, for one, not being able to guard Marvin Harrison Jr. does not mean you're not, like, a, you can't be a really good NFL cornerback, honestly, because that dude's going to go top five. Like, it's like getting cooked by Jordan Jefferson and, and saying this guy sucks. You know, it's, I remember people saying that about Darian Kendrick that he got destroyed by Jordan Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Well, it's like, yeah, NFL corners get destroyed by Jordan Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So that's one thing is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a baller. But if you actually look at the stats when he's matched up on Ringo, like one or maybe two of his catches the whole game actually came against Ringo. So it's not like he was just going up at him one-on-one the whole game and he's just getting destroyed. Like, So I feel like... They, the, just the kind of narratives I feel like got kind of overblown. So I was I was a little surprised that for sure to see Ringo fall all the way to the fourth round, like a corner like that. Like it's just I think uh, I think he's gonna be a good player in the NFL. But um, and Darnell well, Washington got a worse. Like I'm looking at his rankings and I'm going through his PFF stuff because I was like I feel like he was worse last year and he did get worse. Uh, his grade did go down four points, but he was good in the Georgia Tech game, locked down there, and he's good in the Kentucky game. But he was 64. He got a 64 rating in the Tennessee game um 60 rating the four game he got torched in the lsu game so people who are like you said ohio state i think they're giving him too much grief but i think he was quite bad in the lsu game 54 like so much of that lsu game like you remember yeah. that game it's oregon like, he was bad too. it was 46. like a blowout and then the backup quarterback came in and threw for like 200 yards in the or 300 yards or something in the second half it's like it was just kind of a weird game it's like yeah i don't i just don't know how much i can you know, I only I give so much credit to like PFF and the the advanced analytics and grades and all that sort of stuff. Like I don't know, my eyes saw Keely Ringo as a good player, and he's like a really good raw athlete too. So that that just doesn't seem like the typical guy that falls. It's like you look at Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson was, you know, objectively a bad college football quarterback. Like he was maybe the eighth, ninth best quarterback in the SEC last year. But we all see the raw tools. And the ridiculous athlete he is, it's like that only helps you so much play quarterback. The raw tools and how what kind of athlete you are, that matters a lot for playing defensive back and basically every other position on the field. So it's it's weird that you would fall in love with one guy for destroying the combine and another. Like even Nolan Smith destroyed the combine and he didn't have like the best production on the field. So, you know, maybe that's what it comes down to because I personally think he's a – you know, late first round, that, that seems about right to what he was at Georgia. But, you know, you saw the projections, him getting up as high as top 10, top 15 and stuff. So even he slid a little bit. But I uh, ultimately, as a Georgia fan, like for the second NFL draft in a row, it's just like, it's just free advertising for the program. Like it was really just from last year, from like the combine, like all those guys, like on top of just just destroying the combine and balling out they like hung out and waited on each other to like finish there was like this camaraderie about the culture in georgia then they set the record for draft picks and then you got this year we got the philadelphia eagles now just like adopting the georgia fan base at this point like it's just for the second straight year like georgia is the number one top and you don't i don't really remember that many years ever of one college being like the the big story like stealing the draft like i know there's the year that ohio state had like nine first rounders or eight first rounders and it was like a big deal but like 
the the amount that Georgia was talked about in twenty in the twenty twenty two draft, and then to follow it up like with what with what was really kind of a rebuilding quote unquote year, and not as like loaded of a team to still have ten like tied for the most draft picks again, and them be the number one story. It's just it was a uh, it was really incredible. Keith Ringo was targeted nine times in the Tennessee game. He had uh, eight receptions, average ten yards a, a pop when when targeted. Right? The only play average he made 10 was yards. The... Yeah, you guys want to come back and get ten yards? That's fine. We'll, we'll leave that. We'll, I mean, the only thing that. was the interception. I was like, I remember it. Like he was, he was, he was fine. Like Keely, he's fine. I don't know. Um, but like you bring up Philly, and here's something that I think is interesting. They got a lot of a lot of praise. Howie Roseman, he may have even ruffled some feathers from other GMs because he's getting so much praise for just drafting Georgia guys, right? Here's the thing about that. Jordan Davis was fine last year. Like, Jordan Davis is a rotation guy. He's playing 20 snaps a game. Like, he's not a primetime player. He's he's more Terrence Cody than anything else. He's probably no, just a rotation he's guy. Better than, he won't I mean, stick, he does, probably. That's the type of player, but yeah. Uh, go on. And then you look at N'Kobe Dean. The injury stuff, we've texted about it. Like, that feels like forever ago, but his injury and the reason that he fell to begin with. There is a reason that this player who had first-round talent was the leader of that defense fell to, what, the third round when he did? He has injury concerns. We'll see how that peck works long-term. He didn't start last year. He was not a main guy last year. He is going to be asked to be a main guy with their linebacker departures this year. We'll see how he holds up. Nolan Smith missed almost all of last season due to injury we'll see what nolan smith looks like and if he is able to hold up um you look at uh what channing tyndall in uh miami he was fine like he wasn't bringing he he was fine but he was also like a third rounder no but what i'm saying is like there's just so much hype i mean like jalen Carter, if he hits like that's a home run that's a game wrecker like that's one where it's like yeah that's that's awesome Keeley might just be okay. He might be fine. He might be bad. We'll see. He's a fourth round guy. Nicobe Dean, you got to see him be on the field long term. You got to see Nolan Smith be on the field long term. It's cool that they're drafting, like, because you just don't see it. It's unprecedented to just draft so many guys from one school. I understand Georgia fans getting really cool, excited about it. If Tennessee did something similar, like Detroit just kept drafting all these Tennessee guys, like, I, I'm sure I would have a soft spot. That being said, now that you mentioned that, Detroit did draft Chris Durham, actually, because mm. he played with Stafford for like a year or two. Just to get him acclimated to the league. <laughs> just someone to hang out with. Um, that all being said, and I'm not just poo-pooing this whole thing, but like, let's not crown them. Like, it, This is one of those where part of, they've played a lot of, like, these Georgia guys are banged up. Like, You look at certain guys bounce around the league um, because they have a lot of mileage by the time they get to the league because they're playing in a but, lot of important games at the University is, of Georgia. Are Georgia? Are you saying Georgia players are more banged up than players coming from somewhere else? I don't know. Like, I just, I'm looking at this list where the, you're giving the Eagles so much praise and really this is the Georgia defense in the last two years. And I'm like, in the league, and I'm sure you're going to mention the 2021 team, I'm like, who right now are we like, yeah, because like Roquan has been legitimately good and looks like he's going to be a longtime All-Pro. Leonard Floyd was not good. Um, Leonard Floyd, that's right. Leonard like, Floyd's a good player mm, in the NFL. Ask any Bears fan uh, how they feel about Leonard Floyd. I mean, Floyd. he was good on the Rams, too. He's on that Super really? Bowl defense. He's okay. Like he's. I mean, he's for okay. a guy that went ninth overall or yeah, something. He yeah, he was a bust. I mean, he was, 
He was. I would definitely say he's a bust. Ask a Bears fan. Top ten, and you're in the league for like eight years or something. You're definitely not a bust. What I'm saying is, ask Bears fans. Like Bears fans do not feel that way. Bears fans loved Roquan. They didn't love Leonard Floyd. Two very different different experiences. Yeah, I mean Leonard Floyd's not as good. No. I'll just say, I let's just see. Like it's so caught up where it's like this is going to be an unbelievable defense. I'm like, let's see who plays. Let's see how they translate. There's so many. I don't know. None of that matters. It's it's obviously for Georgia fans to permanently be Eagles fans. Like some of these guys have to be good for a long time. Like that's why you kind of could root for Detroit for years because Stafford is like a mainstay as the starting quarterback for however long. It's not like the Eagles took five first round picks on Georgia players. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason that they went later. Where, like, guys don't last. Guys bounce around. Like, that's not how this is going to go by but and large. Me, I mean, they, they Eagles did trade up a, a pick to get Jalen Carter. So, that's a guy they wanted at nine overall. So Jalen like, is the cream. Like, Jalen is the one to watch here. Like, Jalen. Well, he's definitely the yeah. best of all the players. But if you also just look at those players. So, one, you have the actual, I think, elite of the elite players and, and Jalen mm. Carter. So, that helps in terms of becoming a fan of that team yeah but look at the guys they took like it's all fan favorites like nolan smith Mm. especially during the combine like while he was injured he almost became a more important part of the team than he ever was on the field because Mm. of just how much he seemed to be like an inspirational leader on the sideline but during the combine this guy the way he's like being a full-blown salesman hyping up georgia's new restaurant in the locker room and just telling everyone all the recruits they should go to georgia and all this like Nolan Smith is one of those that just like loves Georgia so much and just very vocal about it. Jordan Davis was definitely the fan favorite. He was the doing the whole Peyton Manning, uh, directing the directing the band and everything like on senior night. Like Jordan Davis is that huge personality that the fans love. And then Nicobe Dean is like he's he's another level the way that the fans love him too because he's like all hyping up the, the academics and everything and how how great of a student he was and all that so and then keely ringo's mom was with with the cancer and everything like she was like a big figure too so they also took got a lot of guys that like you have strong opinions about like it hmm. wasn't like drafting warren mcclendon in the fifth round or drafting you know someone like that like uh, a Jamari Sawyer or something with all disrespect with all res- due respect to Jamari Sawyer because Georgia fans obviously love him too but it's like just big guy big time personalities that you can root for and then like mid-draft third round they're trading for DeAndre Swift too that's when it's like this seems like a bit now like they're they're really just trying to get all the Georgia players they can get and DeAndre Swift is even one of those like who was also like a fan favorite just like a fun exciting player to watch so I think part of it, it's like the actual players they got. Like, obviously, they do have to be good, but I mean, you're I mean, talking about kind of drawing conclusions yeah. about Kirby players. A lot of these guys were rookies last year. Like, the Eric Stokes of the world, like, he's in, been in the league for like three years. So, a lot of well, these what I'm saying players, is, look, Fletcher Cox and Jay, like Jalen's going to start right away. No one else in this class is going to start right away outside of, uh, no, that's it. Because no one won't start. Hassan Reddick will be on one end side. Darius Slay and James Bradbury at corner. Um, who else are we missing here? Uh, DeAndre obviously will start at running back, it looks like. But um, 
I don't know. I mean, these, Jordan Davis is not going to start uh, still, and he's just going to be a rotation guy. But on the defensive line, you play a lot of people. It's like he's yeah. going to play a lot. I mean, I mean he, he, was, he also had an injury Graham last did. year too, so it's that that cost him some time. But I think that also just might be the case for a lot of these guys. I just I don't know. But we'll why see. is that a Georgia like injuries happen in football? Like Jordan mm. Davis wasn't injury prone in college. Like yeah. Ringo missed his freshman year like with a shoulder or something. But like. He also Nolan started for time. two straight years. Like, yeah. But, like, injuries happen all the time. Like, you don't I, – I, don't, I just don't know about all that. Like, Darnell Washington, like, that's someone who actually had a couple injuries while he was at Georgia. And it's like you also, like – I don't know, he's six seven, almost six eight, like 270. You might just worry about a body like that holding up because he's just a giant human being. But – I don't well, know. To see like seven too. or eight it's... tight ends go ahead at Darnell Washington, I'm just like, I think this guy could literally be the best tight end in the NFL one day. Like, with the, as far as an actual blocker, I don't think it's people really understand. Like, this man is behind Brock Bowers. There's a reason his production isn't there, and he still had a really good season last year. But like, I don't think people have truly seen what he can be as an actual pass catcher yet. Like, the dude is like a, an insane athlete, and he he legit is another tackle on the field. You know what's interesting about that too is only one of them can be good. There's never been a time in the league where two, like one school puts out two elite tight ends at the same time. Like the league just. I has... mean, Iowa puts a tight end in the first round like every year. They no, but they're not team... elite. It's just George Kittle. That's it. I mean, Noah Fant and he was a bust. Uh, Hawkinson, they they came out. In the he same hasn't been year. good either. Hawkinson, Hawkinson got traded Hawkinson's early on definitely in his career. Been good though. He's not a star. TJ Hawkinson's not a star. I mean, George he's not Kittle's a star. a star. There's like three tight ends in the whole league that are stars. But well, that's what I'm saying. So when people are like, did you know, like uh, Darnell Washington could be the best player, and then it's like Brock Bowers right after. I'm like, well, one of them's probably not going to work out. I don't know which one. But but, w- but why? Because it just like, doesn't work like that. It's never that seamless. Miami had Kellen Winslow and Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow and all kinds of just stud after stud. Like I, 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 there's no reason that. Eh. that just because it hasn't happened, that's not a reason the why. The Miami point's a good can't. one. It's been a while. I forgot about Miami. They did have that little run with Winslow. I mean, and yeah, it's just whoever's their starter. Bubba Franks, I don't know. He was like a good player. He, was a he good played in the league for a little bit for Green Bay. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's no reason, you know, George, with what these guys type of recruits they're coming out of high school and they're they're getting them and, and producing, like there's no reason why they can't, you know, but, I mean, I would have thought Darnell Washington was was borderline first round pick type of talent for him to what do you go fourth round third uh, to the Steelers third round so I mean that was a little surprising but Brock Bowers I mean he should go top 10 I would think I he's I mean, looking I saw the first mock for him was top five um for Brock Bowers yeah I mean Kyle just, Pitts went four that depends on how just how early someone wants to draft a tight end I think Winslow went, went like four. five I think Vernon, da- Vernon Davis went like four or five, six up there. So, I mean, it, it can happen, but I think Pitts is worth it. Or uh, Bowers is worth it. Like he's, if you're Pitts going to a better pick a prospect, because Pitts is just bigger. Pitts is just like, he looks. I think Bowers is actually a tight end though. Pitts yeah. is this new, like just mismatch receiver mm. because he's just such a huge athlete. But Bowers, I think is actually a, a capable blocker as well as just being actually I mean, you can hand the ball last year man. hold on Kyle Pitts is a good blocker last year for the Falcons when he's out there he was good that was actually a problem because once uh Arthur Smith learned that Kyle Pitts was a willing blocker and pretty good at it he didn't roll him out as much and Kyle Pitts was blocking more than uh any of us would have liked because he's actually okay at it um, and that's just probably not what Kyle Pitts should be doing just based on yeah. his skill set but Bowers is just an all-around tight end I just I don't know he's he's a baller. So I, well, here's the thing too. I, I think they can both the, easily be good. 
and this is the last thing I'll say about the Philly thing. And again, I'm not trying to poo-poo this. I'm saying, I think it's diff- just a little bit though. No, what I'm saying is like, <laughs> I think people are looking at it the same way Kentucky fans look at basket. Like when the like three or four Kentucky players go in the top 15 in the lottery, right? In the NBA, like when that happens where it's like Kentucky, Kentucky and they're celebrating, they're like, wow, look at all these different guys who went or like this draft was all Kentucky, like free advertising. Look at all these guys we just put in the league, this that, and the other. The difference is those are all lottery guys and those are all guys who are going to be playing right away or expected to be big time players. The equivalent doesn't work here in football where it's like, it's not like there was a four to five guy run. Like that's just not like Alabama had a number one and number three go in the draft this year. You had Bryce and then Will Anderson at three. That is where it's like if Philly or if Georgia had like five guys and uh, or three going to one team in the first round we are like oh wow they really just assembled the three best players from this national title team and put them all on one roster it's a little bit different when most of the guys we're talking about are later round guys guys who fell for various reasons um it's just it doesn't work like that in the nfl the majority like these picks are not all going to work out like that and first rounders generally speaking work out significantly better long term and guys in the third round guys in the fourth round like that's just how it works there's a reason that they went in the first round and there's a reason that guys go early in the lottery uh in the nba then go at pick 27 like the pick 27 doesn't work out nearly as much as the lottery pick so i just i think that's just the thing that i i wonder about jordan fans where i'm like you understand these guys are not all starting together and you're not going to be able to just see the fan fiction of all of these guys on the field at the same time, just thriving. And it's like 2021 all over again. Like I just, that's not going to happen in the NFL. That's just not well, how I this think, goes. And yeah, you hope, and like, I mean, two maybe work you're out. taking it like too seriously, or, like too literally, but I think a big part of it is just how great George has been that like, yeah. this is actually a storyline because I even noticed, I want to say it was, Damn, I don't want to. I don't even remember what team it was. I want to say it was the Cowboys. Someone took two Michigan players, like in the first and second round, and like you didn't hear a word about it because it's just like not a storyline. But because of like the big personality that Jordan Davis is, and the Kobe Dean, while he went to the third round, he was also the best player on that defense. So it's like they were so vocal about being there last year that it almost became a thing already with the two of them being in Philadelphia last year together, championship teammates and whatnot. And so for this draft to add three more guys to it and DeAndre Swift, it's like, it's, it's just a, a massive story for sure. But the last thing I'll say about it is the 2021 Georgia defense, the greatest defense in college football history. Probably. Right. I think they have a case for it now, honestly. I think we needed to see, obviously, you look at those Miami ones, and you have the benefit of like what they became in the NFL with Ed Reed and, and I don't know, John Vilma and all kinds of guys they had on that, that defense. But when it's all said and done now, because I basically, there's, there's no real, like there's obviously some guys that played that are still there, like maybe they played some on the defensive line or something. But for the most part, everyone that contributed is gone now. You got seven first rounders off that defense, 13 guys drafted and Adam Anderson, that doesn't include Adam Anderson, who would have, he could have gone first or second round also, if not for whatever he's doing off the field, we don't have to talk about him. So it could have been 14 guys, but he had 13 total drafted from that defensive unit. It's just 
kind of insane, both outside linebackers and three inside linebackers, like four dudes on the defensive line, like the, all of the defensive linemen went first round, like just that alone, just four first rounders across your defensive line. Like you're bringing in another guy for depth and he's also a first rounder, like basic. I mean, Jalen Carter wasn't an actual starter in 2021 and he's by all accounts, like maybe, maybe the best player on that entire team. So it's, it's just ridiculously loaded now looking at it uh, in the end, like, Ringo, I am disappointed that we didn't we didn't get the eighth first rounder because I thought Ringo was going to be in there. So I was surprised to see him slide. But uh, yeah, still seven first rounders off one defense. Just and honestly, look at the offense. Like they have a they have a case for they have a case for best college football team in recent memory. Honestly, like Stetson got drafted. Both running backs got drafted. Like he played the entire season without Pickens, but even he got drafted. Ad Mitchell, like he's still in college at Texas, so. He could be a second, third rounder. Like, I don't really know. I mean, a big year at Texas, who knows? I'm not going to put a ceiling on how good, how high A.D. Mitchell could get drafted. But Brock Bowers, like, Broderick Jones on the offensive line. We haven't even mentioned him. He was a first rounder in this draft, too. So, I think uh, he, there's some cases. Just an absolutely loaded. Uh, I mean, 15 guys drafted in 2022. 10 guys drafted in 2023. Like, you might see 12, 13. I mean, they might could even pass that 15 number in, in 2024. Like, who knows? Like, it's just another loaded roster. So it's uh, it's just it's crazy, the, the NFL, you know, prospects that are coming out of Athens these days. And and the last thing, I guess this is the last, last thing I'll say. I think part of your, your logic, your thought process is coming as a Falcons fan because it's such a narrative of, like, the Falcons not drafting Georgia players that, like, I know Falcons fans get so triggered by that it's like we see teams like Steelers and the through the years just draft good Georgia players and now the Eagles just loading up their team. We're like, you know what? Let's become fans of that team. And then you've seen all the good gear out there, the Eagles and the Eagles officially changing their Twitter and everything. It's uh, it was good stuff. What do you mean? What did they change their Twitter? What do you mean? They changed their Twitter to say like Philadelphia, philadelphia bulldogs or bull eagles like yeah they like change like multiple different like philadelphia or something they like like i don't know they like they put multiple different things like three or four different like combinations of philadelphia and bulldogs kind of thing it was uh Okay, because I thought you were saying like they did the the Kelly Green universe, uh, uniform reveal because you know they're going back to the Kelly Greens this year. So I was like, did I miss them? Not unveiling? permanently. They're just bringing no. They them are back. permanently. Is that true? I think so. I'm pretty. I sure. think they were just bringing them back as like because the NFL pat like made that change that rule of like you can wear multiple helmets now. Like they had that rule for however many years you could only wear one helmet, so a lot of teams weren't rocking throwbacks. Oh, it is. They, Never mind. Yeah, it so is. They're just bringing it back, like to wear them once or twice or something this year. Right? Yeah, I think that's a good call. Like they look good, but I love the Eagles uniforms. They're they're doing. They don't need to change anything up. Yeah, uh, the Kelly Green are pretty slick though. Um, no, they're, they're good for sure. Well, there you go. I even let you do the whole best team maybe ever. That was nice. Hey man, they were damn good. As far as NFL draft, that's not everything, but um, that, as far as NFL draft picks go, they they might be the best team ever. Well, there you and go. Basically played without George Pickens the whole year too. Who that also might be, end up being level. the best player of those Georgia teams in the NFL. 
Like he's he honestly, already borderline he top five be. receiver. Like he's gonna be stupid, stupid good. Top five receiver? Yeah, Pickens was in, in doing the some... NFL. Yeah. I mean, I love George Pickens as much as the next guy. I don't know if I can say all that. I mean, if you put him with Joe Burrow and put him with in Jamar Chase's position two years ago, I think you're looking at very similar results from what Jamar did. And he was doing some bonkers That's stuff high with praise. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. That's definitely high praise. I think he is a legit baller. Like you can just tell he's just a number one receiver. Just yes. The, you don't make those catches that he's made without being that. Hopefully Pittsburgh can uh, can get the quarterback situation figured out and everything, and uh, they don't they don't waste his talent. I don't know. I would bet of anyone in the last two years, I guess drafted from Georgia. If I had to guess who is the best NFL player at his peak, I would guess it's Pickens. My guess. That's not that's not a bad answer, honestly. Jalen Carter's up there too. Jalen Carter also wouldn't surprise me. Like Jalen Carter being out of the league in two years wouldn't surprise me. Jalen Carter being a first ballot Hall of Famer wouldn't surprise me. Like, I feel like Trayvon Walker has the unfortunate he's forgot going number one because yeah. Trayvon Walker is really good, but it was just like number one. Nah, that, what did that he even do surprising. last year? What was his stats? Like he was fine. I mean, he's... he was good as a rookie, but I, I think Aiden Hutchinson was better. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That is a lot true. Of, a lot of time. A lot of time. Um, speaking of a lot of time and not a lot of time because the Alabama Crimson Tide offense is running out of time, Matt Green. And Nick Saban saw enough. With the transfer portal closing on April 30th this uh, this past week, he made sure to address the quarterback situation because you and I, we talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago, the spring game was a disaster for this offense and something that we have just kept penciled away, uh, locked away uh, for this fall. Like we can circle back to it. When Alabama's offense struggles and they're down 13-7 to Texas at home um, mm. in the fourth quarter. You're like, uh-oh. Like, this is uh, – it's not too behemoth defense. they're holding the Texas to 13 points in, uh, in three quarters? I think this Alabama defense is going to be really good. So, yeah, I think the defense is going to be legit. I think the defense is going to be quite good at Alabama this year. I think it's going to be a lot better than what it was a year ago. I will say, I just – you see Tyler Buckner. It happened quick. He obviously was not going to win the job over Sam Hartman over at Notre Dame. So he gets in the portal, has to make a move fast, and he follows Tommy Reese to Alabama. Now you have three quarterbacks, Matt Green, at Alabama. And if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you don't feel good about any of these three because you've already seen the spring how it looked with Milrow and uh, Ty Simpson. Now you bring Tyler Buckner into the fold, who has been injured, throughout his entire college career. He has not shown like a guy who can stay healthy. He takes a lot of hits. He's a run first guy. Guess what? He was doing that against an ACC schedule last year. If he's going to be playing in a similar style against SEC defenses and SEC players, I don't see him holding up. I also didn't see enough to say that guy is someone you want to, you want on your team. Like that's a, that's a college football national champion quarterback. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky disaster for Alabama. And if this was Texas A&M going through this this offseason, everyone on college football Twitter and college football media would be like, what is going on in college station? What a disaster. Like, do they have any idea what they're doing? But because it's Saban, because he deserves the benefit of the doubt, because of his past accomplishments, he is getting a temporary pass until we see it play out on the field this fall. 
But Tyler Buckner entering the fold here and now looking like the favorite because he doesn't make this move and reuniting with Tommy Reese unless he's pretty certain he's going to start this fall and go into the summer as, as the guy. I, If you're a Bama fan and you're convinced that things are great and everything's going according to plan and we're just going to build that Notre Dame offense that lost to Marshall at home this past year and you're feeling great and you're like, oh, it's a talent difference. Like Notre Dame recruits at a top 10 level. It's not Michael Mayer. It's a great player. They have a great running. Like, it's not like Notre Dame doesn't have dudes. It's not like Notre Dame is just hurting for premier talent on both sides of the ball. They put a lot of dudes in the NFL. They recruit really well. I think this is just, I mean, I <laughs> I tweeted to Graham, uh, Graham Coffee in front of the pod about this where I was like, I'm ready to just go ahead and say Tennessee's going to be favored by double digits in Tuscaloosa this fall. This offense isn't mm. keeping up with the Vols. Like, Tennessee... I, look, I, we'll see what happens with Joe. If it's Nico by then, I don't care. This offense is not good enough. Like, Georgia is not doing this. Georgia looked like with Carson Beck. It's That offense is moving. Don't worry about Mike Bobo and Athens. The problem or the thing to look to at is Alabama. This offense is going to stink, Matt Green. And I am ready for just the chaos that it brings because you can just see it. Like, this is all a disaster and not a spot Nick Saban wanted to be in at all. He did not want to be trying to get Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame out of the portal in early May to address what he saw this spring. He didn't even want Tommy Reese, right? Like he was not his first choice. He bounced around. He wanted grub from Washington, a completely different style. Saban knows he knows what the, what the college game looks like. He knows who the best offenses are explosion, Ohio state TCU, Guess what they had in common against Georgia? Like, you look at across Tennessee, you look at the best teams in the sport now, it's explosive TCU offense. Didn't do much. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is Oregon, explosive tempo, they explosive didn't do much team. Georgia either. No one does anything against Georgia. They're an outlier. <laughs> what I am saying is if you want to be a top 10 team, if you want to be a premier college football team in, this, in, in the college football universe, you've got to have an electric offense and you've got to have electric quarterback play. All of them did. C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, and um, J.J. McCarthy. All top 10 quarterbacks at their peak. I don't see any of that without him. I think the days yeah. of being able to survive and just coast with the John Parker Wilsons of the world are gone. I don't think you can win that way. I don't think when you have Jaden Daniels and company in this conference now, you can expect to coast on elite defense and still be the favorites to come out of this league now. The league's too good. Well, first of all, I think Nick Saban has earned every every benefit of the doubt that that he's been given because this there's there's more uncertainty now than we like basic, basically have ever like remember I can ever remember under uh, Alabama and Nick Saban, but like I mean you go back to maybe 2014, 2015 like the Blake Sims and like maybe Jacob Coker eras, but like Jacob Coker was like a big time transfer. Like he got kind of some hype when he was coming over too. So those teams also had guys like Derrick Henry and Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley and TJ Yeldon. Like those teams were loaded with NFL skill players, which, you know, these running backs are look really good, but the five stars are all freshmen. Like these, the really highly ranked, like ones we have a lot of hype for, like these guys are true freshmen. Like we've wouldn't be the first time we've seen true freshman running backs be ballers. Like that's happened before, but those guys are also rare. Like Jace McClellan is like the best skill player on this team. Like he's good. Like, is he a third, second round pick? Like, I don't know. Maybe he might be 
an NFL player. Like he's nothing spectacular. Like Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs is an actual like baller. Like he was the only skill player on the team last year that was like that guy looks like an Alabama guy. Like the receivers just aren't what they have been. So if this if this quarterback position isn't isn't a a star like. I don't know. There's definitely some some uncertainty. But my thing is, Nick Saban knows how he has to win, right? Like he said it a few years ago that, like, like you're saying right now, like you have to have a dynamic offense and whatever, be explosive. He's not just going to go back to being what they once were because he would have be he would be doing that already. Like if he ha- if he could have an elite defense, he would have done that already. So. They've they've gone downhill, and maybe that's why they made a change at defensive coordinator. But I feel like you know Nick Saban has a philosophy on what it takes to be great in college football right now, and I I, I think it's clearly obvious they don't have that right now. Like Tyler Buckner is like a four star like recruit, like he wasn't some nobody, so he's not a finished product, and he's probably gonna look better. I think I think Alabama still has better talent than Notre Dame does. Like you're saying, Notre Dame still gets good players, like. They do, but they don't have that. That's that is what's missing at, at Notre Dame is the level of talent. Like they get good players, they don't get as many great players. Like that's why Brian Kelly left was because he like he needed to get a, an elite level of talent. I think he maxed out maybe what Notre Dame can be in the 21st century of just being like, yeah, we made the playoff like 10, 11 win seasons, but. I think he's trying to get a different level of athlete now, and Alabama typically has those level of athletes, so. It's hard to know exactly what Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner are at this point. So, I don't know. It's, it's a lot to say. I, I agree with you, but I feel like there is hyperbole. Like, I don't know if it's, like, as drastic because it's still Alabama and, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't just – I can't say it's, like, a disaster. Disaster in the sense that, like, I'm not saying they're going to miss a bowl game. I just think of you're course. looking at 9-3. and three. I think you're looking at a season where – the offense is like 40th in the country and it's barely getting by. Like they don't have the skill guys out wide anymore either. Matt green. It's not like they're just like, we saw what that wide receiver room looked like last year. A lot of those guys are out the door, but it's not like you have John Mechie and company right there behind them and Devonte Smith and company. This is not the case at Alabama right now. They don't have those dudes out wide. They just don't. So Cameron Latu also gone to the NFL. And that was Bryce Young's favorite target. Bryce Young covered up a lot of warts the last two years. Mac Jones benefited <clears throat> from one of the best just trio of what receivers we'll ever see in college football at the time with a healthy Mechie Waddle and Devontae Smith was just silly. And Mac uh, Jones was great in his own right too. I think I feel like he gets kind of like I'm not downplayed. hating on him, but I'm just saying that's the reality is he did have three first For round. Sure wide receivers it was like everything time. was on schedule like the offense was just perfect yeah. including the quarterback and the quarterback would just per- put it in the perfect spot the running backs were perfect the receivers were perfect the offensive line was perfect like with bryce young yeah like you're saying like so much of it was a you know a ragtag bunch put together and he just kind of made those plays off schedule and buckner's not doing that buckner is not a number one overall quarterback Ty Simpson and Jalen Miller are not that. Bryce Young kept them in those games. He kept them afloat and in the college football playoff conversation. Like, without Bryce Young, you put an average quarterback in there against Tennessee, they're getting murdered in that game. Like, it's just, that's how that game would have gone. I just, I, I don't see it, Matt Green. I think Tennessee is now. They're not favored there. 
I mean, if you LSU, you're definitely not favored there based on what I'm seeing to this point. A&M, you're back at A&M. We'll see what Petrino and that offense looks like. A&M beat you the last time they were there. Auburn, you're at Auburn to end the year. We'll see how spicy they look. They might even bring in Casey Thompson as of this recording. Like, they might be a little feisty with their offense right out of the gate. Hugh Freeze has beaten you twice. I just look at this schedule, and I think about what this team is going to look like. I think it wouldn't surprise me if they're number one in scoring defense and 40th in scoring offense, and that's like 9-3 and in this sport now. Like I just, See, I don't. That's the part I don't understand where it's coming from, though. Is it's mm. like they're gonna have the number one defense. I'm like, where do you think their defense I, was last year? I they, mean, Dallas they, they back. lost Will Anderson. Like that's that was the best player on their defense last year. Like Caleb Downs looks like he's gonna be a dude immediately. Like the Mill Creek, and he kid. probably will be. <clears throat> I mean, he's a big time. <clears throat> excuse me, he's big time five star, but he's also a true freshman. I safety. think he's gonna start. Coley McKinstry is uh, maybe the best corner in football. Uh, right now in college football, Kool-Aid's a preseason top 10 pick. Dallas Turner is a preseason top 10 pick. He's going to be really good. I just, Kevin Steele is a better TC than, um, than Pete Golding, but you look across the board, man. Like I just, I don't know. Uh, Trez, your dude, Marshall, he comes in there at linebacker. Um, Earl Little is, it's like, is yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a potentially one of their starting inside linebackers, a guy who's like fourth or fifth string at Georgia. It's like, he'll be good though. Th- that's not Alabama this is a Georgia football. thing. See, this is what it is. You think Georgia is going to be number one in scoring defense again. I mean, part of it is that, I mean, they were, they were sixth in the country last year, but they yeah. gave up 18.4 points per game. Oh wait, shoot. I'm looking at the wrong year. I had a different, they had that Blake last Sim- year. I had that Blake Sims 2014 team pulled up. Uh, they were ninth last year. Georgia that was right, about right yeah. though, right? Eighteen point two. So it was almost yeah. the exact same points. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ninth in points per game last year, almost twenty a game, like just over eighteen. Like without Will Anderson, does that get lower? Like does it become a better team without Will Anderson, who was like potentially a generational talent, like probably the best defensive player at Alabama the entire time Saban's been there? Like is that hyperbole? I would say that probably is true for Will Anderson. Look, I'm not saying it's going to – and I'm also not predicting they get number one. I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if they're number one in scoring defense. It wouldn't surprise me if they're just better there. And then they're also going to play keep away. I think the defense will be in better position to just sit and heal and not have to deal with some crazy tempo because I think they were playing a lot more fun and score fast and they were just a higher scoring offense. Like they were, The defense had to be on the field a lot more. Uh, the last couple of years. And I just don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, they might have to be just because the offense isn't getting first downs and going three and out. So maybe that's... I'll tell you, that doesn't sound like... That sounds more like 2019, 2020 Georgia. Mm. And... James Coley is... Is Tommy Reese there, James Coley? That's not a good formula. Like those were... those, And those were some loaded Georgia defenses. Like I think Georgia actually did finish with the number one defense in 2019. Like and the 2020 defense was good too. But like... You saw very bad quarterback play both of those years. Obviously, Fromm not nearly as bad as as what Stetson and uh, Dewan Mathis were in 2020. But yeah, I mean, mediocre quarterback play and defense like that only gets you so far, and it probably doesn't get you to the SEC championship. So I don't know. That it'll be uh it'll be interesting. I'm fascinated, but it makes this season so much more interesting as Alabama just doing this, this off season. Like I am very, very think, curious to see what happens. I think one of those things like, uh, like coach of the year is one of those things. Like, I, like you saw Joel Embiid is, uh, won the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. 
feels like a lot of a voter fatigue, in my opinion, because he could have won it either the last two years, but you know, you had Jokic doing basically the same thing, Nuggets with the best record in the league, all that. But it's like you didn't want to give it to him a third straight year. And I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like Embiid deserved one MVP more than Jokic deserved three. But so you have some of that voter fatigue when it comes to awards. This is definitely a year where Nick Saban is a candidate for coach of the year. Like if, mm. if, they, if they went go like an 11 and one, I feel like with what we're talking about, Alabama, like whatever they become as the season. Because honestly, if they go back to running the ball, they truly do that, right? And they have the number one defense and they're running the ball smash mouth. For one, I'm just going to be pissed off because of the way people talked about Georgia and Kirby while we were doing the same thing. Like, that would never be good enough. And people are going to hype up Saban like, it doesn't matter what kind of roster he's got. This guy can just figure out the ways to win. And there's probably some truth to it because he's, like, maybe the greatest coach. He is, to this point, the greatest coach in college football history. So, um It'll just annoy me. But, yeah, if, if they actually go back to being that different type of team and they can win with the game manager, quote-unquote, at quarterback, um, then he's definitely a candidate for Coach of the Year. Because most of the time it's just, oh, yeah, you have the best team and you won the SEC. Yeah, are you the best coach? Sure. But they, they, people like to give it to that to the Josh Heupels of the world. The, the second year had the huge breakthrough or the – the Shane Beamers of the world, the teams had the breakthrough eight and five season or something. It's typically not this, the most talented roster, and you won the and you won the conference that uh, that gets the award. That's fair. I uh, we'll see what happens, but it's still early, and Josh Heupel is probably right there uh, for coach of the year if he's able to do this with Joe Milton. Joe Milton becomes just rocket launcher Joe and Tennessee wins the East. Like there's because the narrative, it's all about the narrative, you know. He's gonna have a good like narrative to if he's able to replace Hooker, Hooker. and everything. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Not miss a beat if that if yes. that happens. He will have that for sure. Um, the college ball playoff schedule for not this upcoming year. This is it for the fourteen playoff, and then we go to the twelve team model. Matt Green. Um, Naturally, a lot of pushback to the dates. I also don't really understand why you couldn't do the semifinals at uh, college campuses as well. Like, I don't know why you can't just keep the final four games on bowl sites. I don't know why that's something. You stole that... my thunder. Are we going to get into that right now? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. That's the That was what I was going to say. Was Sorry, it really? I we didn't mean, talk I didn't about this before you, the pod. I didn't that, mean to was... cut you off, but I think this is my hot take that they are going to see the atmospheres on those five through eight seeds hosting those first round games. And it's just going to be absolutely electric. Like this is going to be like the, maybe the death of like the bowl games. I mm. honestly think like they're going to see how great those sites are. And they're going to be like, we have to do this for the, the semifinals too. Especially because the one through four seeds are going to be like, we're a top four seed and we don't get this extra home playoff game in our college campus and our college town and everything. And just this, this free advertising for the university and all that, like so much goes into that. So I think them wanting to kind of, oh, we'll do these first round at home and then we'll do the bowl games. I think that's going to be like the kiss of death. That's going to be, it's going to be like the door just the, just cracked open and we're going to see home games on college campuses. And then maybe just the final four is, is on neutral site because honestly just the travel alone, asking fans to travel for three or four rounds of playoffs is, I don't know. It's just kind of, 
it's just kind of unrealistic, especially these fans. Like, you want to appease the season ticket holders, and you pay however many thousands of dollars every year for season tickets, and all the best games are at neutral sided NFL stadiums. Like, why am I still paying for season tickets? Like, I, I don't know. I think you could see some some pushback from that, and also like, what's preventing the Goodyear Cotton Bowl from being played in Columbus, Ohio? Like throw up Goodyear logos and everything and they still That's get the, the advertising thing is like, it doesn't and... matter where the games are just call it that just call it the bowl game just call it the cotton yeah. bowl at blank like you don't actually have to it like what we talked about where it's like these names are just names now like the gator bowl and the outback bowl well it's just the sponsor like it doesn't matter just put the sponsor all over yeah. the stadium like why you don't have to do that it doesn't have to be at that location and you can still call it that particular bowl game that's silly. You, you can still bring out your Cheez-Its, your, yeah. big, your giant bowl of Cheez-Its to, to Sanford Stadium. You know, yeah. you can still do the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I agree. so I um the, the dates with me are what just... Uh, mm. How did we still end up with a Monday night final? Yeah. Like, how did that still happen after all of this? I thought for sure we would go away from that with this model, that you would for sure go back to Saturday. I thought because we're having to do multiple rounds of playoffs that they would go back to Saturday. Because mm. obviously the 31st and the 1st, that's kind of different because a lot of people get holidays on New Year's Eve and New Year's mm. Day. So there's there's a tradition of playing college football on New Year's Day and, and on New Year's Eve. So if that happens to fall on a Wednesday, Thursday, you know, so be it. Like that's not a big deal. But other than that, I feel like all of the postseason games should be, should be played on Saturday. Mm. So like... Like one of these, the semifinals, January 9th and 10th on a Thursday and Friday. It's like you had you just had New Year's Eve, right? It's like who's who's getting the next week off, getting vacation days that that following Thursday after you already got all these vacation days and Christmas and New Year's. Now it's back to the real world. Like you can't just be taking off weeks. I can't at least. You know, I don't know how everyone else's work schedule works, but. Yeah, so that's the one thing I was disappointed. It's kind of awkward, the one game on Friday night and then the three games on Saturday in the first round. Like, how they didn't fully commit to the Saturday is kind of strange. Or just do two and two. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is why I, I didn't really want 12 teams because I felt mm. like this was just kind of too much. And especially... Are we are coaches still getting fired and, and hired and so December twentieth and twenty first right is where the first round is going to be mm. in twenty twenty four. What is signing day going to be that year? December fourteenth, December fifteenth. Like these teams are are in wherever Tempe, Arizona. I, I'm not sure. Oh, those are on 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 site games in the first round. Mm. So I don't know. It's just it seems you got to travel on the road for a college football playoff game and then oh yeah try to get your best signing class as possible. Like they're going to have to do something about that. But yeah, I mean that Friday, Saturday before Christmas, it's like, I'm all for it. I like, I feel like as a, as a couch watching fan, it's going to be fun, but I feel like for the people that truly go to all these bowl games, the, that go to the national championship game, like, I feel like they're just putting a lot on those types of fans that are actually to, to actually be at all these games. That's fair. And look, you can adjust. Like, like you said, they'll see what it looks like for that first round. And they're like, and then other schools are going to see it. And they're like, yeah, we're going to need to move these games, these semifinal games to, to that. And also it makes the final four feel more, uh, more special, right? Like that's like, okay, now we're at the neutral side. This is like the final four. Yeah. Like we don't want home field to influence 
where things are going. It's like we grew up high school football here in the state of Georgia. You finish at the bins. Like that's where you finish. Like it should be at a neutral Except site. Except the year North Gwinnett got there, man. Mm. We had to go all the way down to Lowndes in the pouring rain. It was garbage. Why? Got, we got smashed. I think they've had the rule ever since 2008. Uh, that was or 2000. That was my junior year of high school, 2007. Hmm. But yeah, so I think they've done it ever since because yeah, you don't want the you don't want the elements to decide the the championship. Did you go down? Oh yeah, we made the trip down to Valdosta for sure. Hmm. And how do you say uh, Colquitt was, again? Colquitt. 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 Yeah, you better you gotta you gotta get those uh get that that Georgia pronunciation wrong. You'll be uh you'll be mistaken as a as a Tennessean. Mm. but yeah so i think um you know ultimately like we will you know we'll figure out how to watch however however it happens but i've heard it brought up also like the nfl owns saturday in like december and stuff so that's why they don't want to do saturday games and it's like i don't really think that matters mm. like i feel like if college football is on like who does that matter to i guess is the better question that matters to tv executives mm. and it's like yeah, cool, guys, but we want college football. Like, do we actually know that people wouldn't watch college football if given the chance to watch NFL? Like, have we ever actually seen a big-time college football game hmm. compete directly with an NFL game? I mean, it doesn't ever really happen. Like, we don't get – like, we mean, obviously, we like, Thursday night football, like, competed with Thursday night, but that was never an actual big-time college football game. So, I don't know. I think um, – I would love to just see these these playoff like what do, what do you have? You have the conference championship weekend, then the mm. Heisman ceremony the following Saturday. Maybe take one Saturday off, and then the playoff starts the Saturday after that. Like, just keep keep people used to Saturdays or when college football is played. That's fair, but it seems like they're not going to move off that. It seems like they are dead no. set on keeping this Monday. I think that's going to stay, unfortunately. For, well, at least for, yeah, not for the championship game. But I the feel like for the other rounds moving. where we got multiple yeah. games, like, put that on a Saturday, man. I, I do respect the last, like, going back to the draft, though. I respect mm. how they have college game day during the draft. I, they know exactly how certain people are out there watching the draft, like, I I'm a college fan and like that's how I was watching it like so I was, I was it was cool to see the same Reese Davis the same college football people talking about the actual guys they know for sure um well there you go Matt Green um Archman this is I think the one of the more hilarious things that as we wrap up here tonight um there's two different things I wanted to hit on real quick Archie Manning won't let Arch Manning take NIL money until he starts um I saw this headline from Steve Sarkeesian um folks don't let this fool you arch manning doesn't have to take nil money before <laughs> he starts this was the mo the silliest story i've seen all off season and that anyone who ran with this of like or why sark would think that this would resonate well where it's like look at how good of a kid arch is and this the, the manning family look i got peyton behind me like they don't need this weird hey, look at how good of a kid Arch is. And I don't like this idea, too, of pitting these kids against, like, pitting the narrative of, like, if you take NIL money right away, then, like, what, you're not seeing the the big picture here and you're just getting lost in the money. It's like, no, you could have an injury tomorrow. Like, there's, no, take it now. And if you can and you can help your family or help you at all or you can help your day-to-day, -day, like, everyone's coming from different means. 
Archie Manning is or Arch is coming from a very very different unique 0.0001%. He doesn't have to. It doesn't affect him. But like the idea that that is something that we're going to see sometimes pop up of like look at this kid or if this kid donates to somewhere or this kid uses it for that like don't shame what these kids do with their nil money or when they use their nil money or how this all works it's like let these kids be and let them deal with it however they want to deal with it they're adults they're over 18 they're uh, making the best decisions they can all of them are coming from different financial and family uh, situations i hated this story like not to be a buzzkill but i was just like (laughs) This is not, it, it just felt kind of gross of like now you're pitting it again, like Arch is like this and the Manning family is uh, just kind of saint-like because they, they see the bigger picture in terms of like, well, he doesn't have to. Like Arch doesn't, Arch doesn't have to. It's like Jeff Bezos's son works at a nonprofit or something. Yeah. Know, he doesn't <laughs> even really care about the money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> um, no, that's fair. I think, um, I think it's still, it, and that's why I hate kind of how, you know, high school recruits are thought of. Like, if you decommit, it's because, oh, there's a character issue here. Yeah. Like, this guy, you know. Or if you transfer a couple times. Of, yeah, yeah, all kinds of narratives. Like, you know, who really knows what happened and what the reasons are for things happening. So, no, I definitely feel you on that one. It's um, I think it, there's something to be said for, like, you care more about the long-term NFL options, like, than maybe a, a quick payout or something. But... But yeah, I mean, just getting the money where you can. Like literally, everyone's trying to get money wherever they can. So you can't you can't shame these eighteen, nineteen year athletes for doing what like literally everybody does. Yeah, and it's also not in every wrong. job. It's not wrong. Like none of that's wrong. Like we had jobs in college. Like if you are, these kids are doing a job in college for far that's uh, far bigger than anything we were doing. And if they want to do that, and if they want to spend it on a car or do whatever. Let these kids be. It doesn't mean they're bad kids. And it doesn't mean they're not thinking about the future. Uh, yeah, Jamela Die. I mean, what he he probably took like a hundred thousand dollars more a year to get the mm-hmm. job at Georgia, and then maybe another another pay raise, incremental pay raise for the same job at Miami. It's like just just making a little bit more money, a little bit more money where you where you can. It's yeah, it's what everyone does in every profession. So Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but the idea of like, uh, and I also just love the, the, the conversation of like, or like just the tongue in cheek nature of this, of, well, this will get them to work hard. We're going to withhold, uh, the NIL money from March and that's going to really push him to compete with Quinn, um, this whole season. I'm like, I think he's probably got like a black card. Uh, I think he's, uh, I don't think that's the NIL money is really what's, I think he just wants to be an NFL quarterback. I think that might just be it. And got a pretty solid safety net there so i i I just none of it none of it adds up none of it checks out here so you don't have to run that story and you don't have to say that and do this kind of stuff i promise it's it's not needed it's not needed to the discourse capital d it's honestly just probably a good decision i feel like just the if he's in commercials and stuff like that and he's the backup quarterback it's kind of weird it's kind of weird weird, though if he took the NIL money and he's doing commercials with Peyton and Eli, like, I don't care. Like, it'd be fine if he's appearing on Manning cast. Like, who cares? Like, get down to your Austin Chevrolet or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I feel like it's kind of weird as the backup quarterback. Mm. No? But he's not the same. And he's, he's also, but that's what I'm saying, too. So he's also this, already this, like, super noteworthy yeah. backup to begin with, with all the hype coming in. Obviously, Quinn Ewers was... Super. Also, he doesn't seem like that kind of kid because I feel like he was the kid who was like not on. T- is he on Twitter? Like he's not 
like he was very yeah off, he is he's an off because the grade that's kid. how he committed but yeah, yeah exactly it was low-key it was just like tweeted he's going to texas and he doesn't like, strike that's... me as a peyton type where he's going to be front facing and do snl and be to be a... fair i feel like peyton... i don't know why i'm extrapolating all i this feel from like peyton an wasn't kid. that like yeah. it's like he was so low-key like just professional and all that too so I feel like Peyton kind of came out of nowhere with like, oh yeah, it turns out this guy's hilarious. Like, and he just, you know, everyone loves his personality and the, his show with Eli and everything. But maybe I don't know. He was dancing around at Tennessee like in the mid '90s. There's video of him. Had, like he had both sides. He had the cerebral Fair. side, and he also he had fun. Um, Fair I don't enough. know. I don't know. Uh, last thing, speaking of Tennessee here, uh, Heupel said this at the Big Orange Caravan this week. I just wanted to get this in because. The discourse this week and Tennessee's offense being under attack um, all NFL draft season long, Matt Green. Heupel said, quote, man, 10 years ago, I think there was a trickle down effect from the NFL to college. I think it's the exact opposite in today's landscape. Over the last three cycles or the last three drafts, we've had five wide receivers drafted. I've had more wide receivers drafted in the last three years than any other college coach. I think that speaks to what we're doing. How we're developing those guys, those guys understanding coverages, concepts, but also how to beat man coverage. That can be press. That can be off technique. That doesn't just happen by accident. I think what we do does translate in how those guys developed. If that's not a recruiting selling point and just like the numbers speak for themselves, obviously teams aren't afraid of our offense teams aren't afraid of acclimating our guys to an NFL version of just a uh, high octane offenses. Like no one's concerned about Jalen adapting. No one's concerned about Tilling adapting. No one's concerned about uh, insert name here, adapting Darnell Wright with his tempo and like bit different offense with uh, different offensive structure. Cause these guys are pros. These guys are the 1% of the 1% in terms of just athletic prowess in this country, they can adapt. They haven't been in hypo scheme forever. It's not like you have success in this one style. And it's like, oh, if you play only zone defense at Syracuse for two years, it's like, how does this 20-year-old who just soared and played really well in a zone defensive scheme, how how does he make that adjustment when he gets to the league? It's like, he's really good and really smart and really athletic and really talented. People make adjustments and they do pull certain things from it. And I think he's But you know, I mean, that's way different. There's no system like that in basketball that you can just like, that it could completely changes the game. There's no triple option. There's no like spread. Like it's basketball. It's not really a comparable sport though, from that perspective. But also Demarius Thomas, did it bother him in the NFL when he had a incredible, that's, that's he got he just got like bait and switched into <laughs> into like being at tech well like, no it doesn't matter he played he in that was just system a freak athlete though. but he played in that system Stephen hill went in the first round that year um uh, the following year for, but he also shouldn't have and he was terrible in the nfl but he did what i'm saying is teams aren't afraid of going after these kids and it's not like people who are throwing it like i think on the recruiting trail it's just not going to add up because these guys are going in the first round they're super talented and it works. And but look, who's going in the first round? I mean, we'll what I'm saying in the, in the early rounds. Um, we'll see if anyone from this. But you look at, I mean, you look at those, potential. 
you look at those Baylor wide receivers, and obviously, mm-hmm. like, this isn't Baylor. It's not the exact same, but, I mean, that's what everyone compares Hypo's offense to and the closest thing you can find to it. And it's like you had guys like Corey Coleman and Kendall mm-hmm. Wright that put up, like, insane numbers in college and were even even good combine numbers, and, and those are individuals. So because those guys weren't good NFL players doesn't mean Tennessee's receivers won't be. But there is some history of guys coming from offenses like that and showing out and putting up big numbers and, and not being actual NFL caliber players. So it's not a it's not a nothing. I feel like I'm a little disappointed that Hypo feels the need to respond to it. Like mm. I didn't I'm not I didn't hear the audio, so like you know, the hearing it kind of changes, like just seeing it, it a, a quote transcribed, but I mean, what what do you what do you really want Hypo to do? Like he Hypo's job is to win games and, and put up huge numbers offensively, and like that's what he's doing. So if these guys aren't good in the NFL, okay, like that doesn't mean Hypo is like not preparing guys for the NFL. Like I just I think we try to draw conclusions all the time. It's like it's not really Hypo's job. Like it is his job to prepare guys for the NFL because that's what high school players want when they go to college. They want to go somewhere that develops them for the NFL. So to an extent, it is his job. But his number one job is to get the absolute most out of these guys at Tennessee. And so it's like even if these guys aren't third, even if they're third, fourth rounders, like kind of speaks more to how good Hypel is. That's like we don't even have to have first-round talent to have the best offense in college football. So imagine if we do get – an actual first-round quarterback, a first-round wide receiver. Because, I mean, obviously Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman could be the two best receivers in this draft, for all we know. You know, they could both be really good in the NFL, and and, and Hinden Hooker could be really good in the NFL. But I don't I don't know why Heupel feels the need to, like, defend himself because, I mean, you we saw what Hinden Hooker was at Virginia Tech and what, what he was basically coming into Knoxville and what he is leaving Knoxville – and that guy looked pretty damn developed to me. That guy's a hell of a lot better than he was the day he walked, stepped foot onto camp, uh, on a Tennessee's campus. So, I think he's I just going to have to because you're seeing it like you saw draft people talk about it nonstop. As I think he's just going to have to deal with this year over year. And this was also in the confines of just but I don't like think, I don't think you do because it was very conversational. I, I think it'll. I think the results will speak for themselves. So I don't think he necessarily does. He's been there for two years. So it's yeah. like this is like the first year that you can even really credit the, the people he's putting in the NFL. Like, now, Bill Jones Tennessee... doesn't get in the NFL. He goes in the third round with after making the bump. I to... mean, that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, those aren't guys hyper-recruited. Like, even these guys aren't really guys hyper-recruited. But whatever. He's, like, he's been there two years now. There's more of a impact on Hypel's, you know, whatever. His, his fingerprints. guy without him. Jalen His fingerprints sure. are much more on these guys than they were year one, is, is yeah. all I mean. Like, the results, these results mean more than, than just the year one results. But... Yeah, I just I don't think Heupel should feel the need to like defend his offense. Maybe after five, six years, if this is still a thing of, like, like what have you ever heard Urban Meyer say anything about his quarterbacks not being good in the NFL? It's like, who cares? Like, I'm recruiting elite quarterbacks. Ryan Day, like, we're, we have elite level quarterbacks in college. It's, we have basically have the same production year in and year out. Even go back to Tim Tebow and Chris Leak, like. We always had good quarterback play, and none of these guys played in the NFL. Like, I'm a college football coach. Like, well, who I also cares? think that's a good point, but it's also like 
if Georgia fans keep doing this, where it's like that gimmicky offense doesn't stand. It's like, well, I mean, gimmicky offenses can win. And it's not gimmicky. It's just different. And it's just a different scheme. And I, I hate the word gimmicky because it's, I, I don't like that. It makes it, it, it's, I think, disrespectful to what they do. And it's like, it, it's not gimmicky. Like the triple option's not gimmicky. It's just different. Like it's a different scheme. And it's something that is not traditional. Because it's like, what even is a traditional NFL offense anymore? You look around the league, like what Patrick Mahomes is running, like no one's running eye personnel. Like <laughs> that's not how it's working in, across the board. Like the West Coast offense is not this thing you're just seeing. No one's under center anymore. Like I don't even know what the NFL is. Like RPO is everywhere. So I don't even know so much of what the college and the high school game has brought to the forefront. The NFL has adapted. I think that was another kind of point of emphasis here. It's like, I think teams are going to look at what Tennessee's doing in the NFL and be like, what can we pull from this to add to our offense? I think you're going to see more of that. And I think that's a good point. And that's why I feel like it it speaks it like not trying to throw shade at Hypel, but it, it it speaks to some insecurity, I feel like. Because mm. because if you're that confident, it's like really the college game's what's affecting the pro game now. Like pro teams are about to start sniping my assistants, like things like that. And then you're com- comfortable and like, no, this isn't gimmicky. And you're right, like gimmicky is a is definitely a negative connotation, you know, but there is something to like as a Tennessee fan, I feel like you get, you probably get defensive. Cause you're like, it's not gimmicky. We have good players too. But if anything, I'd almost wear it like a badge of honor. That it's like, we don't even have to have the elite players and we're still going to average 50 points a game. Like that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good way to feel as a, as a fan of a team. Like imagine how good you can be when you do get those players. So I don't know. I feel like hypo, I understand where he's coming from and why Tennessee fans and people are, are kind of defensive because of the offense kind of seems under attack. But I mean, there is something different about it that no one else is doing. So from that, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like non-traditional and instead of gimmicky, like it's, it is different, like in terms of, you know, the way they want to, the way they want to run a play every seven unique. seconds or whatever. Unique. Let's say unique. And and Georgia fans, as long as they're shutting down that offense, they're going to continue to talk shit. So (laughs) there's nothing you could really do about that. I mean, if Tennessee hangs 40 on Georgia next year, then, you know, our our gimmicky offense, if you're Tennessee, our gimmicky offense looked pretty good that time. So, you know, I I would just wear it. Just own it. Like, that's who we are. Like, Texas Tech under – under Mike Leach, it's like everyone knew that like that's not where you go to get the NFL quarterbacks, but year in and year out, they're putting up huge numbers, and the offense is really tough to stop. It's like what Tennessee doesn't need to be anything more than just putting up huge numbers in an offense that's tough to stop. There you go. We'll leave it there. Uh, Matt Green, that's all I've got, sir. Yeah, that was good stuff. I hate we didn't get to the uh, to the Pac-12, but we'll have to we'll have to say that for next week. Maybe they'll have a TV deal to also talk about. Next week. <laughs> Maybe we can we can do that too. Yeah, I feel um, like the NFL draft. I feel like we were going to have a lot. We need to, to say do about that. that yeah, sure. I think we need to do that this week. So we'll hit the Pac-12 next week and all kinds of other uh, stuff because there's some Colorado stuff that we'll probably need to talk about too uh, when we talk about the Pac-12. So if they even have anyone left from that 2022 roster by that point, because they're down oh, to like 13. Man. So true. And and one last, you know. It's not an RIP, you know, because they're not dead. But, you know, this season is over. Shout out to Sacramento Kings for a great mm. season. Man, that fourth quarter against the Warriors really uh, was a really real the whole second half. 
it really was the second half, but the fourth quarter is really, really, really just got away from them. But yeah, it was uh, such a buzzkill for like what was basically the best best series of the whole first round. Just Kings couldn't hit a shot in that second half, and Steph Curry, Steph Curry could hit a shot or two in that game. But yeah, he just absolutely went off. But yeah, mm. shout out to the Kings for a great season. They'll, they'll be back next year. Hmm. They will be back next year. The, the season's not canceled. The Kings will be back uh, because they are an NBA team, Matt Green. So for that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, follow Matt, Matt underscore Devin underscore Green on Twitter and all that good stuff. And uh, follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. YouTube, if you enjoyed watching this um, on our YouTube page, make sure you go subscribe, like, and subscribe. There's a little button under there. Uh, that would be great too. Uh, Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. And I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm -hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.